Hi, welcome back to Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about stat distribution in D&D and hopefully not getting too political while we do so. So this podcast has been inspired by me going down a bit of a rabbit hole on uh, YouTube. Um... There's a guy who I watch quite a lot of his videos. He's called Thought Slime. He does political videos. And last week his video was tangentially about D&D, where he was commenting on someone else's videos where they'd done some, like, sketches. I was, I was going to say political and only tangentially about D&D. That sounds like most D&D videos <laughs> I watch. Uh, so Man Shorts had done these two sketches. One was... I, I should point out Hannah's referring to, like, a YouTuber there, not the fact that I'm sitting here in shorts yeah. while we're doing this. <laughs> One of them was Republicans play D&D. One of them was Democrats play D&D. And they had... One joke in there which really irked the guy whose video I was watching and had inspired him to make it, and kind of irked me as well. That is, they were talking about wealth redistribution mm-hmm. in terms of an initiative role as a metaphor. And I'm like, that's a rubbish metaphor for wealth redistribution and like what socialists want to do to rearrange the world. A better metaphor is stat block assignment. Okay. Now... Neither myself nor John know all that much about politics. Um, we both try to keep ourselves fairly well educated. I, I, I know enough to know most politicians are liars. <laughs> and I'd say we we tend to be centre-left, um, but I don't think either of us would say we're particularly affiliated to any political group. No, uh, I, I, would say, I would say I have a neutral distrust of all political parties. <laughs> Certainly we don't have any position to comment on current politics in America so please don't take any of what follows to be a dig at anybody's political stance yeah because in case you haven't guessed this is a podcast about D&D to be representative of our own political stances having explained where the ideas come from we're now going to move on to talking about ability scores in games of D&D how they are initially generated how they are initially assigned yep and potentially the fact that that's like a slightly better metaphor than rolling for initiative yep so obviously the reason it's a better metaphor is because this is the block of what your character is physically capable of doing what your character is mentally capable of doing yeah and how much they're going to be able to achieve as a character comes from this stat Yeah, it's, it's, it's a numerical representation of your competency in various areas. And you could argue that in our current society, people who go to better schools get an automatic plus two to their intelligence, plus whatever to their constitution, their dexterity, their stamina, because they've had better food, as well as being better educated. Yeah. And... Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's talk about ability scores. Now, John, you yep. are a big favourer of the roll 3d6. Get six Straight stats. down the line. You stuck with those six stats, but you can arrange them in whatever order you like to get the type of character. No, you want six stats straight down the line. 
That's right. Okay. Or as I like to refer to it, the one true way of rolling stats. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm, I'm playing a bit here because, like, do you know what? If, if you prefer a different way of using stats for your game, that's great. And as Hannah said, I appreciate that for every game, just 3d6 straight down the line isn't appropriate. And that's why, as Hannah said, quite often I'll do the roll 3d6 a number of times and then you can allocate them to whatever stage you want because that still has a random element in but gives you a bit more control if you want to play a specific type of character. Now, the reason I like 3d6 straight down the line for basic D&D and old-school essentials and stuff like that is because the, the mode of play, which is typical of that game, is that you start off playing a fairly low-powered character. You're not like a big superhero when it starts. You're not like the great wizard Merlin or anything like that. You're like the wizard's apprentice, or you're like the guy who takes the hay out of the barns and you but you know how to like swing a sword a little bit you're that guy and the idea of sort of basic dnd certainly in the way i've sort of envisioned it is that you start off playing these sort of schlubby like low level like characters a bit more skillful than your common farmer but not a lot and the Mm -hmm. idea is that over the course of a long campaign and i appreciate people don't always get a chance to play a long campaign but the idea is over a long campaign you eventually rise up to the point where you are one of these great heroes you're the great warrior with like a castle or a keep or you're the wizard with a tower and whatever that's why you get to like attract henchmen and build towers and stuff like at higher levels and the reason i like the stats of allocation the 3d6 straight down the line is because it reinforces that idea of like you're just some like joe schmo you you start off with a handful of stats and and also because it's it's quite i find it quite exciting it's like you know you you come to the table you don't really know what you're going to get for a character whereas i think we all tend to fall into sort of natural patterns of playing the sort of characters we prefer if we're given the chance and i do this just as much as anyone i know you love you like playing your bards and your barbarians Mm -hmm. i like playing like my half orcs i like playing my paladins i like playing sorcerers stuff like that and if i'm given a choice i naturally tend to fall back into those Mm -hmm. which i think is a good thing because in some ways because it's very comfortable you know it's you get straight into the game it's nice and easy it's it's familiar but it's bad in other ways because it doesn't really encourage you to sort of like push yourself in terms of your role playing but i understand it because how if you give me a choice i'll probably go for one of the characters i'm comfortable with but if i get a set of stats that i completely don't support playing the type of character i want i've then got two choices i can either go all right i'll play something a bit different maybe what not what i normally do but the challenge for me which i then see as like a challenge for me as a role player and a chance to expand my role playing is trying to make that character into something I'm going to enjoy while still playing like, um, uh, I don't know, a, a cleric or something like that, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't normally go for, or a, or a wizard. Um, or I can then I can take that set of stats that's useless, put them into the sort of character I would normally do, knowing that I'm not going to be a very good version of that character. But that can still be interesting. Because it's like, you know, you're playing the guy who like, really wants to be a wizard, but actually you're not, that re- you're not really that good at magic. And you try and you try and sort of overcome that, or you lean into it, and it becomes a bit more, a bit more of an interesting character as a result. So that's why I like that sort of like three d six straight down the line. But I appreciate it doesn't work in all games. I personally don't think it works very well for like fifth edition or something like that, because the idea of that game is more about, from my point of view, is more you start off playing very competent characters. Yeah, that there's a lot more choice, and the the sort of emphasis is on player choice. 
So for me, it makes a lot more sense to have like a point buy or a slightly different role system for that, or like World of Darkness, where you, you allocate your points. Now, I prefer the points allocation system, and uh, I've let you chat for five minutes there. So yeah, I appreciate I'm that. I'm going to chat about allocating points for a bit. Um, so I normally give my players 12 points in every stat, and you can rearrange those to whatever you like as long as it still adds up to the same number and as long as none of your stats is higher than 18. Um, I did have one player once came back to me with a character whose constitution was four because he'd bought like loads into everything else. It's like, go and rethink that or you will die. You're just not going to have any hit points ever. Your character's got enough constitution that he can barely move. Um, but other than that, people tend to be fairly sort of comfortable with the idea. Um, and don't tend to take it to extremes of having characters that are like ultra strong, super thick or whatever. Um, the reason I like using that system is because I don't like the idea of running a game for people for any more than one session where one roll at the start is going to affect the entire game. Because realistically... However good your player group is, however fun the roleplay part of it is, and I agree that if you've got a crappy character and somebody else has got a great character and the player group all get along and take that into account and everything, it can still be a fun game. I'm always the one that rolls the character that's got like three sixes and their highest stats are 14. Well, I think it's, I th and it's a very, very frustrating character to play. Well, like I said, I think it varies with the game as well, because I think the reason that works in, like, BX, your basic D&D, is you don't actually use the stats for an awful lot in basic D&D. Because, like, in basic D&D, you've got maybe... You don't have a skill system. There's basically, like, your hit points, your base attack bonus. Have you got any spells? And if you, obviously, if you're a thief, you get your percentile systems, which don't... So the most important thing that your character's going to be doing has a role that's affected by their ability stat no because they're not really affected by ability stats that much in basic D&D &D. so are your hit points not affected by your constitution they Is are they, they, not they, they, by your strength or your dex they are but it, the, 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 um, ability, the ability modifiers are a lot less sort of there's a lot less range of them it's only if you have like a really high stat or a really terrible stat you get like a tiny modifier in like original D&D &D. whereas obviously in the later editions the modif there's more modifiers and they have greater effect. So I can certainly see why what you're saying is true in later editions of D&D. Because, oh yeah, if I was playing like 3.5 or something, and like all your skills are based on your, your attributes, plus like your skill mm -hmm. rank, then yeah, the attributes suddenly become a lot more important. But it, and, and I wouldn't want to be stuck playing like a character potentially where I'm like, oh, I've just got bad luck and I've got so I've finished that rose. But in basic D&D where I'm like, all, that, all that's going to happen is I might have a few less hit points and maybe I'm not quite now, as good at uh, attacking. Another reason for this, for the reason I use points distribution rather than dice rolls, is you can pick a number of points. So if yes. you want everybody to start off with like slightly crappy characters, you give them eight in each stat to start with. Yeah. And you say shuffle it up and down a little bit and they can have a couple of really crappy stats and maybe one quite good stat. You can give them nine, ten, 
anything. You can give me any 18 in every stat if you want to. Well, yeah, and I mean, Although that will also make for a crappy game. I, I, I know I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, and for our younger listeners, that's like a big CD. Um, again, I think it really depends on what sort of game you're playing, because the... I agree with you. For the sort of game you're talking about, your your way of doing it does make a lot of sense. However, for the typical sort of original D&D game where it's like you're a party of adventurers that have been thrown together, there's no sort of overall sort of game oh, no, scheme, I, so I, to speak. I'm not talking about game story here right now. I'm talking about having happy players. Yeah, but... Happy but, players who aren't regretting that one dice roll six weeks ago. Yeah, yeah but all I'm saying is, like, <laughs> if, you, if you play a, a sort of original D&D game in the way that original D&D is meant to be played, you would be expecting that to happen. It's like in the same way as, like, in later editions, people are like, oh, I wouldn't want to play a character with low hit points because I'd die really easily or I could just die like that. That's part of the model of, like, original D&D. Now, I'm not saying it is for later editions. I'm just saying if you go to play... So playing original D&D and going, oh, I'm, only, I'm, a, I'm a level one major with, like, two hit points or whatever, I can get killed by, like, a change in the wind. Yeah, that's part of the game. So, so sort of complaining about that is basically saying like, oh, this probably isn't the game for me. Now, th- I'm not saying... Now, by all means, that did change in later editions of D&D. And I think for the later editions that you, you, you prefer, I believe, mm-hmm. your way of doing it does make a lot more sense. Because like you were saying, I wouldn't if I was playing like 3.5 or something like that, I wouldn't want to be saddled with like a character with like absolutely abysmal stats. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think I could make a good go of it and I could probably make an interesting character out of it. I could probably play it for laughs or like say the sort of bumbling wizard and stuff like that. You know, like um, what's the what's the guy who keeps turning himself into um, animals in that fantasy film? Um, I think it's in Krull. Yeah, it's Krull. So, Jason, you'll be listening. You, you'll know what, what the guy's called in Krull. Who, um, he, he turns himself into a tiger at the end. He's like a wizard, and all of his spells keep messing up. And he's like, oh, I'm going to turn myself into a, a... Are you on about Finn Razil in... Uh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> and he keep, he basically keeps going, like, oh, I'm going to turn myself into a tiger to like, help Krull out and stuff. And he always ends up turning into like, a rabbit. Oh, that is... Fair but, so I think I could play it for laughs, but I wouldn't want to be stuck with a long-term character in a later game because mm-hmm. I think your stats do have a lot more effect on it. Whereas if you were like, oh, I'm stuck playing some like crap, really crap wizard in like original D&D, I'd be like, well, chances are when we get near the end of the campaign, I'm not still going to be playing this character because the lethality is so much higher that I'd just be like, well, I'll just play it for how long it goes and we'll see how we get on. And I wouldn't really have to worry about the stats because, yeah, I might be a little bit handicapped because of lower stats, but the difference is a lot less in sort of, like, um, basic D&D. So I I wouldn't find it as problematic in that game as I would in later editions. Okay, so just to sort of push the point a bit further... Yep. Let's say we're playing third ed. Okay, yep. Let's say this is the only... D&D game you ever get to play it's going to be a 10 year campaign alright so we've really entered the realms of fantasy alright carry on do you want my stat method or yours for starting see see now what I've you you've probably asked the wrong person because but you're absolutely right all sort of things of common sense say when you're stuck yours, with it, you'd rather share it, wouldn't you? But, but, but no, to be honest, I'd still rather go for the 3D6 down the line. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's only one reason for that. Because 
I, I think let's say let's say I did go for 3D6 strength and I ended up with some abysmal character. However, if I got that character to the end of a 10 year campaign, <laughs> I would be an absolute legend. Well, yeah. Good, fair point. Think about it at the end of the 10 years. Like, if you get someone who's like, oh, I've been playing this like 18 strength paladin, so, and now I'm like Lord Farquad with like plus 16 magical armor, and I've got angels in my back and call, I'd be like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas it would seem a great deal more heroic and more of an achievement if you're the guy who's like, Oh, do you remember when we first started playing this? And I was like the wizard who had like one spell and like mad like intelligence modifiers because I was really thick. Yeah, and now can. I'm a wizard lord. You say this, but by the end of the first year, everybody else's character would have progressed so much more than yours has because they've got better stats. Oh, because they get because they get the XP. You know, the, the people who got the higher dice rolls, their characters would have advanced so much more than yours had in that year that by the end of the second year, you'd still be pretty much where you started, where the like some of the people who'd rolled like high stats... The th- thing is, though, if, if people are, if people are expa- ex- advancing faster than you, because again, bonus XP or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the adventures in a standard game would be themed around like the average level of the PCs. So you'd be effective effectively, not literally, but effectively you'd be getting more XP for each adventure you went on. So by leaving you behind to rot, you're bringing down everybody else. Well, that assumes the party's <laughs> gonna leave you behind to rot. And I and I would say and I would say if the party's leaving you behind, your problem is you're playing with a bunch of not the cat the um yep, the yep. <laughs> I can't argue that. And uh, and my my response to that would be like find some better people to game with. Fair. That that's not that's Fair. not a problem with the game system. Absolutely true. Yeah. So um, yeah. And plus as well, the, the way the way I look the- at it is, um, and I know it's not the most optimal solution or anything like that. And I, I can see the appeal of like optimizing your character. You go, oh, I want to play an archer. I want to play like I want to be like Robin Hood. Or I want to play the best archer in the world. I can see. I can. I really can see the appeal of that. But to me personally, the sort of characters I like in fantasy films and books, mm-hmm. they're the ones who like they're like the like the Luke Skywalker characters who like they start off as just like oh, I'm just a boy on like a little farm, and then as they go along, they become great characters. And obviously in films, that's compressed down because you have to fit in film but we're agreed that 3d6 straight down the line is the best way yeah we are agreed is a fine method if your player group is up for it yeah basically i mean obviously obviously i'm joking you are absolutely right sweetie any of these stat methods they only work if your player characters are up for it and they're interested in it and this is a point the point i'd like to make here is that if you don't know your player group well, if you play group don't know each other well, yeah. like if you're running games at conventions and you hand out a load of pre-gen characters and one of them's stat block adds up to 30 and another one's stat block adds up to 60, there is going to be an argument at that table. If you're doing a long campaign and you don't want your players bitching about how one person got super lucky and one person got super unlucky, use... Start to sh- use even distribution. I, 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 agree with what you, rather, I agree with what you're saying about campaigns. However, <laughs> if your player group are all up for it and they all take the same stance as John, that they would like the challenge yeah, yeah. of playing a character with a difficult stat block, and you as a GM are capable of remembering 
that those characters are there in the game and putting things in there for them, great. But otherwise, just give everybody the same points. It saves so many See, fucking I, arguments. I, I, I think I think your um I think your your argument about campaigns works well. I'm not so sure about the one for like pre gens for conventions though, because if it's pre gens for a convention, I'm creating them as a GM before the game. So I, I can create them to be whatever I want them to be. I don't have to roll for them or anything like that. Ooh. But because if I if let, let's and obviously we're talking hypotheticals here. Let's say I'm running an adventure and I'm like, oh, for this adventure there's lots of undead in it, so they're going to want a good cleric. All right, there's there's going to be a lot of they're going to need like a, a top class archer. I can make sure in the pile of pregens there's a good cleric and there's a top class archer. And then somebody gets saddled with a crappy character. Why? Well, no, because if, if a crappy character's been created, it's because I've created it as the GM and put it in the pre-gen pile. So why would you do that if it's like a one-shot for a convention? I, I think we just met with my point. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, but I don't, think yeah. con- I don't think convention games can be judged by the same, the same sort of standard as normal games. That, that was kind of my point. Um... <laughs> So, we are agreed that in some circumstances, the three dice down the line is fine to use. Oh, yeah. However, it may also cause some issues with players feeling that they're being unfairly treated. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like... When somebody gets stuck with a crappy role and somebody's got a great one. It's, it's like anything, and I use this phrase a lot, it comes down to being able to make an informed choice as, as a player... So if I if I was a GM and I was going to run a game, I was like, let's say I want to run OD and D. I want it to be three D six straight down the line. I would make sure that when I was recruiting players, I made that quite clear from the start. Mm-hmm. I'm running this game. This is the method I'm going to use. Then anyone who's like, oh, I don't really fancy that. Or I'm not up for it. That they they can just not apply to during that game. That's absolutely grand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I and I would encourage any GMs who are running games and they're recruiting us. Put that stuff out front, front and centre, so that your players who are coming into the game, they know what to expect. They can decide whether that game's going to be for them. So if you've got someone who's maybe like really worried about, oh, what if I get stuck with a, a rubbish character because of like random roles, they can go. Oh, that doesn't sound like it's the sort of game for me, to be honest. I would give that a miss. <laughs> but if if I started running a game and I'd very clearly gone, it's going to be three d six down the line. You roll your character. That's what you get. And then someone joined in, they rolled a crack character, and they're like, oh, I don't really like this character. I'd be like, y- you knew what you were signing up for. And I would not be sympathetic. Okay, so last question on this. Go on then, Lay on me. If you were playing a game where some of the characters have been gender using my method, yep. would you be happy to roll the dice? And if you got a crappy character, would you be happy with it? Yeah, when I was playing it, when I was playing yeah. when I was playing in Barry's 5th edition game, Everyone else had chosen their characters. I rolled mine and I was like, oh, okay, I'll be a gnome wizard. Because that's a character I normally go for. Um, yeah, that that's a bit of a ramble between the two of us about ability score uh, distribution in D&D, which is not at all in any way a metaphor for anything political. No. Thanks and- for the inspiration, Thoughts Line. Yeah, and, and to, to, to bring it all home, as we've, we've been saying throughout this, obviously we've been having a bit of a fun and we've been having a laugh and a joke with each other, but the fact is, it come, as Hannah was rightly saying earlier, it comes down to what type of game you're running, 
knowing what your players want and what you want as a GM and finding how those mesh up best. So, like I say, I love 3D6 for OD&D. That's not appropriate for all games or all groups by any means. But And I certainly I can see why 5th edition and the more sort of directed methods of doing character, I can certainly see why they're popular, especially for games like 5th edition, which, as we said earlier, has more emphasis on player choice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And likewise for things like Pathfinder, where it's more about building an optimised character and stuff like that. I can see why just rolling randomly would not work as well for those games. And I can see why certain people would prefer not to do that. It's just a personal preference thing, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we hope you've got something out of that rambling. If you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe tell us what you think about stat methods and why 3D6 down the line is the best of all stat methods. You can leave us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe. There'll be a link in the description. Or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye. Bye.